0: You're listening to Purity is the New Sexy Coaching Podcast, where we help you eliminate shame and elevate intimacy so you can find hope and healing in your marriage. Hello, we are your hosts, Rusty and Amy Noakes, and this is episode one of Purity is the New Sexy Coaching Podcast.
1: Cool. Is this where I take over?
0: Yeah. Yep, this is where you take over.
1: So this is our very first one, and it's really just an introduction of who we are and why we're doing this. Um, I'm 49 years old, turned 49 in May. Grew up in Arkansas, small town, medium sized town, about 15,000 or so when I was growing up, Cersei, Arkansas, and um, great little town. But um, I had a pretty crummy childhood, and kind of my little one of my taglines is that I help Christian men, successful, driven Christian men from crummy childhoods who are addicted to pornography and other unwanted sexual behaviors, achieve purity as the new sexy by helping them heal from the trauma. And the wounds that are driving them to act out in the first place, and what you're making. So
0: I just want to say this is our story, right? Yeah, yeah, like this kind of where why we're doing this and where we came from.
1: So part of my part of my story, I'm not going to tell the whole thing, but part of my story, just you know, typical dysfunctional family, um, abuse, abandonment, addiction, adultery, stuff like that. I was exposed to pornography at a young age, um, and not just pornography, but like um, medical journals, um, nude art type books, um, things of that nature. And, um, you know, because of the dysfunction and just the, the trauma of it all, I didn't realize it at the time, but I started to learn how to survive and how to medicate that pain. And without having proper healthy attachments to mom and dad, I just started to attach to unhealthy things, which is pretty common. A lot of times addictions don't, You know, we don't necessarily go looking for them. They just sometimes come looking for us. But because of what all happened, I I did find myself in this addiction, and it traveled with me for 30 years through my entire life. Uh, A couple of marriages before this one, the best one, and the last one. Um, And so it'll be two years in November, um, and really not a whole lot of time, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, but... um, i I really think I'm not bragging, but I think that my growth, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that my um just my growth and my my uh, road to recovery i'm I'm further down the road of recovery than a lot of people that are traveling at, at the same time, like you know mm-hmm. like like my almost Stage. two years is you know closer to probably three, four, five years, possibly. But that's just to do with a lot of extra intensive work that I've done and just staying in the game and doing it every day, day in and day out. And then, you know, when I first got into recovery, and it was thanks to you, um, sitting here with my wife, Amy Jo. uh, Once I got into that, it really just kind of started growing into this new addiction. And because for the first time in my life, I I was with a bunch of guys that I didn't feel alone all of a sudden. Um, Started seeing that there were other guys like me that... um, had trauma, had wounds, and had learned how to medicate with pornography and other stuff, and and they had found freedom, and so that was exciting to not be alone all of a sudden, and mm-hmm. and have yeah. that support, yeah. and then start to learn how you know they did it, and for me going through the Conquer series, that was my first, that was my first lily pad to to jump onto, and then from there did it again, did did the Pure Desire seven uh, seven pillars. And then actually went back into school and earned two certifications as a certified addiction recovery coach and certified abuse recovery coach.
0: Now you were doing wild love too. And wild love, that was another thing, Graham
1: Graham. I think that
0: is what accelerated your your recovery from my perspective. Sure, wild
1: love and all of his stuff, just learning about my real identity. I grew up in the church, so I knew all about God, but never really did connect with um, really how he viewed me so, you know, Mm -hmm. when you're in this addiction, especially when you're a Christian, you carry a lot of shame because you hear it preached that, you know, it's wrong and that if you look Mm -hmm. at a woman with lust that you've committed adultery in your heart. So it's essentially the same thing. And and so there was a lot of shame about that. And, you know, it needs to be preached from the pulpit. It is wrong. It is a moral issue. But, you know, I learned that it was also as much of a brain issue as it was morally. There's a whole lot of, you know, chemical elements that come into play.
0: And you changed that.
1: And I changed that. So that's Mm kind of what I meant by, like, my almost two years is probably more typical of somebody that's been on this road for three, four, maybe five years. Mm -hmm. And Graham even says in his Wild Love message that, you know, there's five years growth in two years, if you want. In 12 months. Or in 12 months, Mm -hmm. rather. Yeah, you're right. And so, yeah, I listen to Wild Love every day. And so that kind of just goes to the point of, like, when the Bible talks about being transformed by the renewing of your mind.
0: Right. Right. it 's not
1: like you get your your brain zapped and your mind is all of a sudden renewed it's it's a process, but listening to that every day and starting to really understand my true identity that I was created with purpose, that I was in god 's wheelhouse when he mm-hmm. made me, that I am his beloved, I am made in jesus christ 's image um, I am forgiven, I am righteous, i am holy right. um, all these all these right. great wonderful truths you know i'm i 'm an heir of God, and so it's not, you know, before it was like God was always disappointed with me. He was angry with me, things like that. And so I, you know, I felt like a loser. I felt like an addict. I felt like a scumbag, and that's largely why I acted such. Right. But um, yeah, just through all the, you know, all of all stuff and stuff and other people as well, just rewiring my brain to believe the truth about myself and not the lies, not the delusional thoughts. And then also just coming out of denial and Mm. realizing that you know what this thing had become an idol it was a god with a little Mm g but it was calling all the shots um Mm -hmm. i mean i would do what it said when it said where when how and why i mean just it it was calling the shots so long story short you know once i once my mind started to clear and I started to develop this passion for wanting to understand and learn more about this particular addiction because even though I had alcoholism and you know smoked some marijuana for off and on over the years the pornography thing just really touches my heart in in a different spot just because of the prevalence in the church not that alcohol is in it I mean but like the pornography thing it severely damages your ability to have intimate relationships with God with people Mm -hmm. And so as I started to to clear in my head and had this new passion for trying to understand this thing, going back to school and continues to self-educate, I I developed this passion for trying to reach other men in the church. Because statistically we know, like one study has it at 68%, another has it at 77% of men in church view pornography on a regular basis at least once a month upwards of nearly 50 percent of pastors and somewhere between 20 to 30 percent of women are also struggling so you know i remember how it was for me just being in the shadows of it all being too embarrassed to talk about it with anybody in the church because you know i was even involved in the church and active and and doing different you know kinds of ministries and just serving and so you know you don't really you're not very proud right. of that You and you want to, you want to fix it say. you want to you you know it's not that i was just going along cavalierly just like you know, this is okay. I I didn't like it and I, quote, tried to stop and I would promise to stop, promise myself, um, really commit, you know, read my Bible more, whatever, but just nothing was working until I finally came out of denial and realized that this thing had basically control over me and the only way I was going to get out of it was to admit that I was powerless to it, which does not mean that I am powerless. It means that I just have to lean on my other Christian brothers and go through it with other people and be empowered by them, be empowered by just that fellowship and being able to share what had gone on in my life before, where all the hurts and traumas and pains had come from, starting to discover what all I had been medicating, why I had been medicating it. And, I want to um, ask
0: you a question about that.
1: So, yeah, that's that's really the the nutshell, the, the you know 25-cent version of the story. But, yeah, now <laughs> that I'm here, it's like just a whole new addiction to go out and try to reach these other guys that I know are out there that right. are stuck, mm-hmm. that one out, that just don't know where to go. Or they're scared to death to open their mouth about it. What are people going to think? There is that mm-hmm. stigma, and, you know, I want to change that. So that's, that's why I do what I do now. Yeah, yeah go so ahead. You
0: were mentioning alcohol and marijuana, and you felt like pornography you know addiction that was the one that you know uh you landed on to help other people and and i i was thinking as you were um saying that that um you know for me being your spouse in this the alcohol sometimes was worse i know for you me said that than the pornography so i find that interesting but i think that's more to the point of you know, when you said, I mean, you didn't start drinking at 10.
1: Exactly. You
0: didn't start smoking marijuana exactly. at 10. Exactly. You started the medicating with the pornography. Right. And so that yes, That's the one I've back, carried the longest. Yes. And that's what goes back for you, the deep, you know, wound that you had to, to expose to, to treat, so to speak. And, um, you know, alcohol was just just another layer over the pornography i think Mm -hmm. you know to help medicate so you wouldn't do that i think that was to kind of help you and correct me if i'm wrong but i think that was kind of to offset and help you so you wouldn't act out you know sexually yeah so i find that interesting though um
1: yeah they were both always there and but it would i would lean one way or the other a little bit more i would still abuse both but typically you know if i was if I was using alcohol even in more excess than my usual excess, Mm -hmm. it was because I was trying to pull away from the other. And then if I was using Mm -hmm. the pornography more regularly, which it was always regularly, but if I I really went full throttle more on that, then Mm -hmm. I wouldn't use the alcohol quite as bad. But yeah, the sexual stuff, it's been with me the longest and that that might be why. That's where I've got a -hmm. lot of my early Earlier traumatic memories, right,
0: right, and just
1: kind of where it all started—the
0: root and of the trauma. Yeah, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, dad was alcoholic, so
0: mm-hmm.
1: it kind of runs he modeled the- for
0: you how to cover the pain, how to medicate,
1: right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. yeah, he didn't realize that's what he was doing. No, you know, neither did you. So. But that's part of the thing is being able to address this openly and say, you know, yeah, we, we love our parents. We know they're not always, you know, we're the best examples, and that's okay. We we have the best example, which is God, mm-hmm. and he can show us how to, you know, come out of this and through recovery. Um, and that's
1: another thing about, um, you know, my identity and seeing myself mm-hmm. as his like literal son and you know my dad's passed away now since 2005 mom's still alive Um, and you know a dad was in and out a lot and then when I around age 10 that's when we went to my grandparents Um, and then he was out more than in I would see him very rarely maybe a few weeks over the summer here and there but then it was later in life when I was an adult mid-twenties ish that he kind of came back into my life more on a regular basis but I never did really have a a solid relationship with him and so i didn't know what mm-hmm. it was like to have a relationship with a dad nor intimate relationship period yeah
0: so, you, and so what then clips having, you got were
1: so then have, having this new revelation of how to have this intimate relationship with god as mm-hmm. my as my father that was a game changer because i can partner with him every day and everything i mean he's right there with me yeah. and it's now not just a it's not just head knowledge. It's it's in it's in my heart. It's in my DNA. I believe it. I feel it. Um, I, right. I feel his presence, and I get to do life with him. And so it's like he's guiding me through his Holy Spirit with all everything. I mean, everything that's happened since I got into recovery and got sober is yeah. just all been related to him. I'm and then, my- and then I'll switch over to you, just because as we started getting further down that road of my recovery, and I was feeling all proud of myself, which is great, but at the same time <laughs> didn't realize too that yeah you were proud of me and happy that i was doing what i was doing but then there was still this piece of like yeah but you know it was pretty traumatizing for you for the yeah. eight years or so yeah that we were married that i was actively in that addiction and you had this yeah. betrayal trauma mm-hmm. that you had to heal from and right. that was kind of a you know a buzz kill because <laughs> it kind of took some of the fun out of it like man it was really fun getting Getting sober and living this life of recovery because it was all about me and it was getting good. But then all of a sudden, it's like, <laughs> man, I've got to now play an extra part in helping you get Uh-oh. through all this pain of yours. And not that I didn't want to, it's just like it wasn't as fun as like getting free from mine, realizing, hey, now I've got to go back and also help pick up the pieces
0: right, of right. what's been
1: damaged. Mm-hmm. Well, on you're your doing side a good of job of
0: it. Yeah, well, you're doing I a great job. Um, yeah, so I think when you said identity, for me, I'm glad that that was the one solid thing I truly had was who I was um, and um, and how that identity in Christ helped me stay anchored through the tumultuous years of our marriage you know feeling that um, lack of intimacy and that um, kind of disjointed loving relationship because it's not like you necessarily withheld love from me, but it was more intimacy, and um, it was really difficult for me to figure out in the beginning, but once uh, we kind of landed on what what in the world was really going on with you, did I, did I kind of fully understand, and I can remember going through school at the time for myself, uh, working on my master's, talking about identity and how important that is in counseling people, and to know what my view of God is and how I think he sees me. And so, if we think that God looks at us, like you were saying earlier, you know, with disappointment and He's not, He's kind of, you know, got His arms crossed and standing over us and saying, you know, not well done and, you know, how about you fix this and how about you fix that. And the, re- and the reality is, that's not how God sees us. But some of us may think that's how He sees us. And so, identifying that and where our wrong thinking was, I think really helped catapult us um, into a really good place. And um, for me, that identity, always having that there and and really understanding it, maybe a little bit more than you, because I did have parents that were, um, were really, really awesome parents. I mean, they made a lot of mistakes, what parents don't. But um, I think I had the opposite of that. I wasn't introduced to pornography. I didn't see any of that kind of stuff. I did have some sexual abuse in my background, um, but it was addressed. And because I had a loving family, it was, it was easier for me to, to heal. You know, I, I didn't feel the need to self medicate. So I, at first, didn't understand what was happening with you, and I didn't understand why. Um, and then once I did, I thought, oh, okay, whoa, we've got to, we got to, we got to go back to square one. We've got to start, stop, and start, restart. And I was very afraid of how to help you do that. But once you know, like you say, we came across the Conquer and the Wild Love. It just seemed to God, just in His loving way and how He loves His kids, was just saying, here you go, you know. And it was perfect. It was like the perfect comb- combination for you in healing and perfect combination for me to understand the healing that you needed to have happen for it to happen. And it was a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. And you're you're rocking it. You're a rock star to me. I think you're amazing. And I love seeing your growth. And um, our marriage is very intimate. And I'm very proud of you, I'm proud of us, and I love where we are right now in our marriage. So, yay!
1: (laughs) Well, do we want to wind this down for our first one?
0: Yeah, I think so. It's a good time. Just an intro,
1: (laughs) just a quick, you know, kind of who we are and kind of more what to expect. So, well, in the future, we'll be talking about all different kinds of things. The, you know, disclosure and what that looks like and when to do it, how to do it, intimacy. How to rebuild that um, what it looks like on the on the woman's side to mm-hmm. to heal from the betrayal trauma right. some of the more nitty gritty steps for the guys and and what mm-hmm. needs to happen to come out of this thing, yeah. but just to close it down, i mean you know for me it's absolutely crucial like the first step the first step is to come out of denial mm. the first step is to stop thinking that one day you're gonna get a grip on it the one one mm-hmm. day you're gonna be able to overcome it one day something's gonna spark and (laughs) you're just gonna figure it out and be Mm -hmm. able to walk away from it and that's not gonna happen right um you know bar just some kind of a miracle and miracles do happen but i love the phrase you know you can't lean on your shovel and pray for god to dig the hole faithful that works (laughs) is dead i got faith all day long that the lights are going to come on and go off but unless i get up and go flip the switch nothing happens i've got to activate my faith <laughs> and so coming out of denial was just i mean that that was the hardest thing for me just to realize that you know what i've got to start talking to somebody i didn't even know what all i knew i came from a, a you know crummy dysfunctional family but at the same time it was for me it was kind of normal because i didn't have anything to compare mm-hmm. it to i knew it wasn't right. normal but i didn't know what to compare it to right and so it right. just was what it was and mm-hmm. i didn't realize how bad the damage was right and the dysfunction it doesn't have to be major humongous you know traumas you don't have to be beaten within an inch of your life or starved right, to death right, or locked right. in a closet or you know put in a cage or you know some of these heinous things that we uh, mm. read about and yeah. hear about but even just just neglect having to make your own de- I don't have one memory of a sit-down meal with mom dad my brother and sister I don't right. have any memories of a sit-down meal except for when I'm at around the age of 10 when I went to be with grandma mm-hmm. and grandpa I don't I mean I know we ate I didn't starve to death but I just don't have any of those kind of memories whatsoever mm-hmm. Sure. Um, I know we fended for ourselves a lot. Um, I know we were left with some pretty shady people as far as babysitters go. Mm-hmm. And just, you know.
0: And that's neglect. And, yeah, so, you that's know, there, harm, there's all yeah. different
1: kinds of, of abuse. And so mm-hmm. you don't realize how some of these things add up right, uh, over the long haul. So yeah. my point is this, though. You know, if if you're struggling, there's almost always, almost always some kind of a trauma, a heart wound, or something from mom or dad or both. Or a sibling uh, a guardian Mm -hmm. figure there's something in there that you may not even be fully aware of or maybe you've minimized it thinking oh you know it wasn't that bad Mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of those protective things that we do we minimize it to to protect ourselves but the thing is that you know what if if you if you're struggling then almost always there is something at the root of it and that's got to be just like a weed you you can't just pull the weed at the top you've got to dig down under the ground and grab the roots and get them do out the work. and that just takes you know starting that conversation you've mm-hmm. got to start that conversation and you've got to do it in the right place the right environment with the right people and someone that's you know been there done that has the experience has the knowledge to kind of walk you through the the process of it so whoever's listening to this if that's you Right. As a dude, you know, that's that's why I became a coach. That's why I now specialize in helping men get out of this addiction. And so if you want to have that conversation, then... I guess what go to one of our socials and
0: I didn't even think <laughs> this I, d- I didn't even
1: think this far into it no. we've got our website that's almost ready then it'll be easy just to send you to the website with all of our right, all of our right. socials but you know what purity is the new sexy coaching if you just look up purity is the new sexy coaching on yeah. either Facebook I prefer Facebook Instagram or LinkedIn you will find purity is the new sexy coaching and you'll find me and you can get in touch. I can shoot you my mm-hmm. Calendly link to book a breakthrough call. But you can even do it through the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And then as far as the ladies, if you've got a guy in your life that's struggling, that you know, you you still need help for yourself. You've still got to protect yourself, love yourself, set up proper, healthy boundaries. That's where you come into play. You've got mm-hmm. support for the ladies and coaching them through that right. process, the and betrayal, trauma. and little tips and tricks or whatever mm-hmm. into how to you know get your guy to take a look at doing something and getting some help. Right, right. But it does start with a conversation. That's my point. It starts with a conversation. So, if you're in a place where you know that you need to have that conversation, then reach out. Reach out and let's just start the start the chat promise you that, um, that that chat that we'll have, I mean, I'll spend up to a couple of hours with you and we will just talk and I will share so much with you about how it's worked for me. I'll give you the full game plan on exactly how I came out of it. And then if you want the accountability and walk the road together, happy to do that with you. But start the conversation. If not with us, somebody start the conversation.
0: All right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. And remember, this is Episode 1. We will try to do this once a week, and we will see you guys next week for Episode 2. Later. Take care.